Hi and welcome to the Psyche Podcast where we discuss all things mindset, mental well-being and living your best life. I'm your host Hannah and I'm a mindset and mental well-being coach and founder of Psyche Coaching. Welcome and we hope you enjoy the show. Hi friends and welcome back to the Psyche Podcast and Christmas. Um, <laughs> do you know what? I was just going to dive straight into talking about Christmas but obviously I want to just take a moment to acknowledge that not everyone celebrates Christmas uh, because of a variety of reasons, different faith backgrounds etc. Um, but it's the obviously the big event of the week but Originally, when I was recording this, I was going to talk about overwhelm a little bit, about families, about all of that. But, you know, for a lot of us listening in the UK, and it, and it might be different elsewhere, but with the new tier four restrictions, and even outside of those, so I'm in a, a tier two area, but still, it, it's really kind of encouraged not to mix on Christmas. So, it kind of feels a little weird to um, to be talking about that kind of overwhelm and family situations when actually it's a different kind of thing, I guess, that's on our minds now that we are not able to to meet in the ways that we normally would and celebrate in the ways that we usually would. And so I guess what I want to say is just being mindful of that you know, yes, you might be, you might be safe, you might be well, and we can sometimes then feel that we shouldn't feel upset or feel that that sense of loss. But, you know, to, to I guess, to acknowledge the sadness that may come with not being able to, to be with loved ones, and that we can, we can try and connect the best that we can. But it's, it's not the same. And I guess having a little grace towards ourselves, with all of that, um, being kind to yourself as always Uh, so I hope wherever you are in the world and whatever is going on that you are doing okay and if you are someone who is celebrating Christmas I hope that well I mean we'll speak on Wednesday before then but (laughs) if you're listening as the as the episode's released but I hope that you have the the best day that you can under um, the circumstances I feel like I've just uh, you know dove straight in um with festive stuff but I guess that's what's that's what's on my mind at the moment because uh, I'm recording this Sunday afternoon and so Saturday we we kind of had that announcement and it's something luckily for myself I'm in in tier two but actually have quite a low-key Christmas with my partner anyway um about half of my family is in tier four areas so it's all kind of a a bit (laughs) a bit all over the place but um yes however you are spending it I I hope it is as good as it can be. So I guess we're, it, it kind of segues into what today's episode is about. And again, I thought about, oh, do I put out a more festive uh, kind of themed subjects? And I think there is a lot in this, this conversation I have with Janine that is relevant at the festive time when we're, when we're around family and we're talking about boundaries and being with family and needing space and, and all of that. But we're we're diving into self-care. And I love Janine's idea of aggressive self-care, which she'll explain. And I guess that's maybe the the kind of biggest thing to 
that, that we can be thinking about at the moment if we are we are able to. But we're diving into trauma and I guess, you know, big T trauma, little T trauma, what's going on at the moment is quite traumatic, you know, and different extremes for different people. So I do think this is a, a really relevant, uh, important conversation to be having. So I really hope that you enjoy it, that you take something from it. And I will be back super quickly afterwards. Hi, everyone. And I'm really happy to welcome this week's guest, Janine, to the podcast. So Janine, welcome. And if you could introduce yourself to us, that would be fab. Thanks for having me, Hannah. So hi, everyone. My name's Janine Worth. I'm a licensed psychotherapist, a clinical hypnotherapist and coach, and I believe it's my mission to help women all over the world to heal from trauma, unresolved emotional baggage, painful life experiences without spending years in therapy. Awesome, because psychotherapy for anyone who has the kind of awareness of the different sort of models of therapy is the the one you think of when it's the the years of therapy, isn't it? Because things like cognitive behavioral therapy tends to be a much shorter period of time, but something like psychotherapy is that long-term talking therapy. Yes, and you know, people who haven't had therapy themselves often their only idea of that is what they see in the movies and then it's like someone that goes every Friday afternoon for the last five years and I think that that's quite an old-fashioned way you know obviously back in the day nobody knew better or that was the best that we had but it's like technology, you know, nobody has a, a VCR machine anymore. <laughs> you know, most people are streaming on Netflix. And I think therapy, people don't realize that therapy is one of those modalities that actually does change and develop and become better as time goes on. So I myself have had traditional therapy back in the day. And now being a therapist myself, I use a unique combination of traditional therapy, regression hypnosis and coaching so that for me, I don't want my client to see me once a week for five years. I want results now. I want them to experience these dramatic changes within six months or less. And it's completely possible. Yeah. I, and I think that's, that's great, that sort of combination, because it's absolutely sort of my perspective as well, that you know, we're all unique individuals. And so having this, this is absolutely the only way that's going to work. <laughs> it's going to take like 10 years or, or the rest of your life, you're going to come every day and see me. And I think also in films, you have this sort of really old, old school style psychoanalytical, where you lie on the couch and they're behind you and all <laughs> that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, it's that, that idea of, you know, we're all individual. And so I think sometimes different therapeutic approaches or appropriate at different times in our lives or different times. So being able to kind of blend together a range of approaches must mean that you can really tailor what you do to the person that you're working with. Definitely. And that's always the goal. You know, I always say that everybody's healing journey is as individual as that person. And that's something that I decided right from the beginning of my journey as a therapist is that I wanted to make the experience as unique and tailor-made as possible. So I have a virtual global practice. So 
you know, I try to make it as easy as possible for my clients where they don't have to take, you know, time off work due to the time difference. Often I can see my clients when they finished work for the day, where they're at, at home, they've put their kids to bed. They don't need a babysitter. They don't need to take time off work. You know, women that have experience, for example, sexual assault, for them, they might not feel comfortable going out of their home. They're in this safe environment. And we speak to each other as you and I are speaking to each other now. And I find that when clients are in their own safe, known environment, that actually helps them make progress faster because they, they're not adapting to a new environment. They don't have to, you know, find a way to get there. We're trying, we're taking all of these obstacles out of the way, especially for working mothers. So that because I believe help should be accessible to everyone. You know, that's all my thing. I don't want you to spend a fortune and years in therapy. There is a better way. So I'm sort of, on my little <laughs> box trying to let people realize that they can get help from wherever they are to work with me. All you need is a good internet connection. I guess that's maybe one of the, the ways that with this, this whole kind of COVID situation that people are adapting because where you have therapies that maybe traditionally were you know, in the same room and absolutely that is the only way it can be delivered there's been, and I'm not saying this is you, but <laughs> that, that was the, the way that it was done and we can't possibly do it another way. Actually having to adapt and then seeing, as, as in lots of industries, but then seeing, oh, well, <laughs> we, we can do it remotely and um, mm-hmm. maybe kind of broadens how accessible some of these uh, therapeutic approaches are. Definitely. I mean, since I started my practice, I've never done in-person sessions. From the beginning, I decided I want to be as accessible as possible. And because a lot of the people that I saw while I was busy qualifying, a lot of them were traveling or in different countries in that right from the beginning, I had this mindset that I don't want to be chained to a building and I don't want to make it because I live in Germany that, oh, now if you want to have a session with me, you have to fly halfway around the world or you have to live in Germany. I have clients in America, in the UK, Spain, Switzerland, Italy, Sweden. You know, that is the beauty of technology nowadays is that absolutely almost anything is at your fingertips. And we should use that to our advantage. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we could probably stay on (laughs) technology and and the benefits (laughs) of that for ages. But uh, yeah, so the, the area that you really help people with is trauma, as you said, and unresolved kind of emotional baggage but if we can start with trauma and that's a word that has popped up over previous podcast episodes we've talked about but are you able to explain what you mean by trauma because I think it's one of these words that we kind of throw around and sometimes we maybe are not using them correctly or don't really kind of fully understand what they mean definitely that's a wonderful question because that's something that I've noticed a lot especially with being a trauma specialist is that people don't understand what trauma really is because we've been trained in the past. When we hear the word trauma, we think of war veterans. We think of horrific car accidents, things like that, which it is, but that's what we refer to as big T trauma. That's the kind of stuff that will get you on the front page of a newspaper. And a lot of times people don't realize that the mind 
doesn't care. The mind doesn't have this level, you know. Small T trauma are things like maybe you were bullied at school. Maybe you were, you know, in a family where your parents were emotionally unavailable to you or you were really pressurized to perform and be perfect and, you know, be this almost robotic, perfect kind of person. And want these are things that won't get you on the front page of a newspaper. So when clients come to me, often they'll say, you know, well, I was bullied my entire life, but at least I wasn't raped. You know, because society teaches us to compare and rate and find, you know, where do we fit in in this equation? But what people don't realize is that the mind doesn't care about that. The mind just knows I'm wounded, I'm hurt, help me. And the younger you are, when you experience this traumatic event, regardless of where you rate it, the harder it is for the mind to process it because a four-year-old, a six-year-old, eight-year-old, 12-year-old isn't mature enough to process shocking, awful events. So when people think, okay, well, you know, my parents always made me feel that I'm not good enough. You know, maybe you weren't the favorite child and your parents made it obvious. You would never live up to your sibling as an example People wouldn't think that's traumatic, but it is because that six-year-old you thinks, what's wrong with me? Why am I not good enough? Why can't my parents love me unconditionally? Mm. The child takes it personally, and that starts the emotional wound. That later on, that becomes our normal, and we start making decisions from that wounded mindset, and that shapes our life. It shapes are we parent? It shapes what jobs we'll take. It shapes the people that we choose for our intimate partnerships. It affects absolutely everything. So yes, it's really important. And people often don't make that connection. Mm. I think there's possibly when um, this kind of small T trauma, like you said, that so in, in the mind, it's, it's the, the same impact. But I think in our kind of conscious mind, we have that comparison, like you said. And so then we're compared to what we think trauma looks like and then be like well what have I what right have I got to complain and then I think the shame comes in of yeah. you know feeling the effect of the trauma but not acknowledging that it's traumatic and so you kind of get like a, d- a double helping of trauma plus shame which I'm sure makes yeah. it much more complicated and the thing is we have been trained that you need that outside validation from someone before you are good enough, before your trauma is good enough. We're even putting this good enough thing on our experiences. And I just wish that that would stop because your story matters. You deserve to get help regardless of what happened to you. You know, You earned what happened to you. It shaped the person that you are. So you don't need some stranger on the internet to tell you, okay, yeah, here's a gold star. You check the box. You're allowed to go get help now. Who came up with that BS? It really makes me livid when I see people because they're women out there suffering unnecessarily and thinking, waiting for someone to come and tap them and say, you know what? You're good enough to go and get help. You deserve it. It's okay for you. Yeah, I, I think that's 
that's so true and that I th- yeah I think for so many things we look for that external validation or approval or to guide what we do what we should do how we should behave and uh, yeah <laughs> I think that just adds to our emotional baggage uh, so how can you recognize in yourself if you've got some of this unresolved trauma this unresolved emotional baggage that you're just kind of carrying <laughs> with you through your life how can we recognize that and then after that <laughs> how can we deal with it okay so if you've experienced big t trauma like for instance myself uh when i was 18 years old it was actually the day i got my driver's license i survived a hijacking kidnapping and attempted rape at gunpoint that's big t trauma that would usually get you on you know in the newspaper what you need to look out for big t trauma is symptoms of ptsd that's usually a cluster of symptoms that show up within four weeks after an event like that so with myself i knew something was wrong because about a week after that happened i was sitting in my car the police had a big shirada i got my car back but i was sitting in my car waiting and a friend who didn't know what had happened to me creeped up on my car and as a joke slapped his hand down on my driver window and in that moment it felt like i wanted to jump out of my skin i was getting heart palpitations it felt like i couldn't breathe i felt this rush of adrenaline fear so i knew okay this is not normal i need to go and seek help so i went and saw a therapist had traditional therapy But for small T trauma, especially if it's something that happened in your childhood, say, for instance, you had a father who was an alcoholic and would get abusive when he was drunk. That is something that people think, okay, well, that's not so bad. You know, it's almost normal nowadays that someone had some sort of issue in their childhood how that shows up later in life is with what I call the secondary symptoms. And it's usually the secondary symptoms that my clients come to see me with. So things like binge eating, addictions, procrastination, fear of success, adrenal fatigue, because when you are young and you are experiencing this trauma, especially when it goes on over an extended period of time and you don't get help to deal with it, what happens is you think, well, I'm 40. That happened when I was six. I'm over it. Yeah, your logical mind tells you you should be over it, but your subconscious is holding on to that because emotional wounding doesn't disappear by itself. It would be great if it did. Then everyone would be, no one would have issues. But it doesn't. It just gets worse. So if you then have this belief that you're not good enough and this keeps showing up in your life, do you know how that affects women? They then start uh, being in relationships where they know they're not being treated well. Maybe they're being abused. You know, it could be violent, whatever. And then they think, well, I grew up seeing this. This is almost normal to me and I actually don't deserve anything better. So, and they stay, you know, and when that happens, we are basically stuck in our own victimhood. And I hate that word victim because it has such a negative connotation. I prefer the word survivor, but 
when you can't see past that because that has been your normal for the last 30 years, it's very difficult to get out of that without external help. Someone to tell you, listen, let's actually go back and see. Let's go deal with those emotions. Let's help that six-year-old who's still holding on to that process that so that you can actually move on. And one of the most positive side effects of doing this work is energy. A lot of my clients will then say, wow, it feels like I'm 20 again. Because when your mind is trying to process this emotional baggage, it takes so much of your mental energy. You know, all of a sudden doing the grocery shopping feels like a marathon. You know, you're just exhausted all the time. You feel like it doesn't matter how much you sleep, you're just always tired. And as soon as we take care of that and your mind isn't trying to process that in the background, like a little hamster on the wheel all the time, all of a sudden you have all this energy for yourself that you can use to actually do the things that you want to do. So a nice side effect is that my clients then usually text me and say, oh my goodness, I woke up an hour before my alarm this morning or I just repainted my bedroom and it feels like I could go on for another three hours because all of a sudden you don't have that mental drain on you all the time. Yeah, because I think we can all um, think of a time when we've been very stressed about something, we've got a lot on, and when the, the mind's going, you feel that, that physical exhaustion. You might kind of think, well, I've not really done much today. I've just kind of sat, but you've been thinking and yeah, it absolutely takes a toll. And and with the um, particularly thinking about women who maybe um, keep finding themselves in relationships with not the right guy or, or someone who is maybe abusive, um, is that often not a conscious choice, not a conscious, oh, well, I don't deserve better? Is it more a kind of subtle kind of unconscious thing that they just... Uh... That's the problem with all of this regardless what that belief is because you're making these decisions and subconsciously you know nobody gets up in the morning and says i'm gonna find the crappiest guy i can nobody does that but we're so used to being treated in a certain way that that feels normal to us you know that saying rather the devil you know than the devil you don't and if you've grown up seeing that your whole life you don't know any different it's basically history repeating itself. Mm. So a woman that grows up in that environment, for her, it's nothing strange. A woman who has not grown up like that, whose parents, you know, don't lift their hands to each other, where there isn't, you know, verbal abuse and all of that. The first time she sees something like that, she's going to know that red flag is going to go up. Where someone who's been watching that their entire life, that red flag doesn't go up. It's like, oh, okay, it's just another day. And obviously we're talking about a kind of a uh, woman and a, a man in that situation, but obviously there are all kinds of uh, relationships that people yeah. could be in that they're abusive. And I think also there's growing conversations around men experiencing female abusive partners so that oh. it kind of, you know, can go both ways. So I just kind of highlighting that for listeners, that it's not just men that, that can be abusive. I've had women who've been in relationships with women where the partner is a narcissist and psychologically abuses them, you know, gaslights them constantly. So this is not gender related. 
it's personality related. Yeah. And so then if you have recognized those signs in yourself, maybe that you, that you're carrying this unresolved baggage, how can we start to deal with that in, in some way? Is it possible to let go of some of it? Yeah. So the first thing that I would say is join a community where you have a support group. So I have a free support group on Facebook. It's called heal and transform your life. It's women only and it's a private group. And there I, I work very hard to keep that as a safe, non-judgmental space where you can actually go and say, you know what, today was really awful. This and this happened and you have a safe space to vent and to get advice and support from women. The second thing is aggressive self-care. Every single woman that I've had the privilege to work with have had a combination of really shitty boundaries, really weak people-pleasing boundaries, and putting themselves last. And that is one of the reasons that I only work with women is because I know that women look after everyone else first. They will make sure that even that really awful partner has got everything that they need and they put that, that person's needs before their own. They put the kids' needs in front of in, in themselves. And obviously it's important that we are good parents. I mean, I always say your goal should be to give your children a childhood that they do not need to recover from. But in doing that, make sure that you're still looking after yourself. You're still making time for yourself, that you have your own goals, your own dreams, your own aspirations, because if you don't have that, what is the point? You know, I know it is my duty to look after myself because I know I'm a better therapist when I do. I'm a better mom when I do. I'm a better wife when I do. When I notice that I'm overextending myself, I'm not as patient I might snap at my children when they don't deserve it. I need to be fully present, especially with my clients. So in order for me to do that on the highest possible level, I need to make sure that I'm taken care of first. And I think a lot of people don't realize that, especially if they have corporate careers where this um, hustle and workaholic environment is sort of praised and seen as like, wow, that person is so amazing. And those people usually burn out. They have awful home lives. They're not happy. Yeah, and, um, absolutely. And our episode that came out uh, most recently on Wednesday, although it will be in a little while ago when this episode comes out, was on burnout. And it's something that we've talked about a couple of times that, that for some people, they don't realize they're carrying all this baggage until suddenly they're at that sort of, crisis point um but i love this concept of aggressive self-care <laughs> yeah you need yeah. to be aggressive about it you need to make it a non-negotiable if that is on the books that gets done mm. and you need to be present for your self-care you know a lot of people think that self-care is getting a massage when you're on holiday or getting a pedicure but the whole time they're on their phone they're checking their emails they're on social media no Self-care can look like planning your meals so that you are making the choice in the present to nourish your body in the future. Self-care can look like a digital detox. Self-care can look like muting someone in your newsfeed 
who is just bombarding you with negativity or overly political posts, you know? I think also with the with the news feed thing, it could be someone that even if they're not posting something that's negative in itself, if your reaction to it is negative, if you're doing the comparison, if seeing their stuff makes you feel bad about yourself, then then yeah, absolutely. So before we dive into my set questions, I wonder if you have a, a kind of final takeaway thought for us um, around kind of trauma and emotional baggage. People that have experienced abuse of some sort, they usually know about it. But if you're someone that has even experienced some of the small t trauma that we've spoken about, look at your life and see, you'll know you're happy or you're not. If you feel that you're doing everything that you're supposed to be doing and still not seeing the results, or you have these dreams and you know what you want to do, but you just can't bring yourself to do it, I would say that's the point where you need to find someone like myself to help you find out where this came from, what emotions are there that need to be processed. Because what I tell my clients is, and I mean, being a trauma specialist, I hear the worst of the worst, is the body heals. Broken bones heal, bruises, cuts, wounds, they all heal. But the emotions that your subconscious mind attaches to an event and the meaning that it gives to that event, that is what is holding you back. Yeah, thank you for, for sharing that. Um, and we, one of the questions are, towards the end, I'll ask is the kind of top tips uh, of kind of practical take takeaway things. But I have a few other set questions I love to hear people's thoughts on. So my first one is what brings you joy in your life? Spending time with my family. I am a very hands-on mother and I love traveling with my family since even before I ever was in a relationship as a child. I knew that I wanted to see the world. And this is something that luckily my husband and my children love as well. So, I mean, I've just gone back from a trip where we stayed on a houseboat in Prague. You know, I, I enjoy doing these, these things and creating these experiences and memories and sharing that with my children and my husband. Yeah, amazing. That sounds fab. <laughs> yeah, awesome. And, and so then my, my next question is what makes life meaningful for you? For me... And I've said this before, and I usually get really odd looks when I say it, is for me, the work that I do now, I believe is my purpose. So I can't have a bad day. If I get up and serve the people who are searching for their healing, because I always believe you find your healer when you're ready. If I get up and help those people, I know that they are leaving better off than when they came to me. And knowing that means everything to me because it's taking away people's pain, helping them to be who they were meant to be before awful things happen to them. You know, my whole goal is to make those awful experiences just one page of their story and helping them to consciously create the rest. Awesome, yeah. I love that idea of 
yeah because because I think sometimes you can be really wrapped up in that stuff and and like you said about the kind of victimhood and um and making it the whole story that actually yeah if we can kind of condense it down and then there's all that space suddenly in your life to kind of create what you want go and stay on houseboats in Prague or (laughs) whatever it is that works for you yeah so the kind of over um the overarching topic or aim of the podcast is all about mental wellness and mental well-being so I have two questions around this for you okay. the first one is what does mental wellness mean to you mental wellness to me means that when something happens you're not reacting from a place of your past wounds you're reacting in the present. You're able to step back and see the entire picture instead of just reacting from your your pain. Mm, awesome. And, and so then the follow-up is how you look after your own mental well-being. Well, I, I'm not someone that has the same set routine every day because I, I like to mix it up. But I like to do meditation when I feel like it. I'm not someone who journals a lot, but when I do, it's it's usually, you know, quite deep. Hypnosis, I love hypnosis. I'm a clinical hypnotherapist, so I have worked through so much stuff using regression hypnosis that would probably have taken me 20 years in traditional therapy. So I love it for the fact that it gets straight to the important part because you're taking the logical brain out of it. You know, I could sit here until the cows come home and say, well, Hannah, what do you think about that? What do you think they meant with that? But with regression hypnosis, you're taking me straight back to that point where you were as that six-year-old. You're telling me how you felt in that moment. So I can identify the emotions that your subconscious is holding onto, and I can help you process that. So it's really effective and it gets to the point and that's where you have these big results. So I use that all the time for myself. Um, Yoga is great. You know, they did a study in Harvard where they compared yoga to Prozac and yoga won hands down. So it depends on the day, you know, I sort of sit down and ask myself, what do you need today? And sometimes it's dancing to gangster rap with my headphones on. (laughs) And if that's what it is, then that's what it is. I guess it's being able to kind of tune into yourself and and see what you really need in the moment. Um, And uh, yeah, yoga, I'm a yoga instructor, although I got my qualification and I've not really (laughs) done anything with it, but I want to do specifically kind of uh, depression anxiety uh, yoga and I find sometimes I can't sit down and meditate because if I feel like I've got too much pent-up energy but I really like kind of flow yoga like dynamic yoga and you have to be mindful then because otherwise you're going to fall over and so I think sometimes that being active it can be a form of that kind of meditation or that mindfulness of feeling connected because yeah if you were trying to balance and not fall on your face you've got to be in the moment. So, <laughs> I love that one. Uh, so my next question is sometimes a bit of a challenge for people. Um, and that is, can you describe your mindset? Well, due to the traumatic childhood that I experienced myself, I learned early on 
to be really resilient and that has served me my entire life. So I think that I'm very motivated. You know, once I put my mind to it, it's like come hello high water, this is happening kind of thing. So for me, it's not a can I do it? It's how am I going to do it? And that is, I see everything like that. You know, whether it's go finding a way to get, you know, to a wonderful destination or choosing, you know, something that I want, the question is not can I do it or it's always how can I make this possible? Because that changes your whole way of thinking. There it's more opportunity motivated instead of, okay, well, if I only come up with one idea and that's not a good idea, then I'm stuck sort of reframing that question you're exploring you're investigating and that's where the ideas come from yeah I think that's great and I think that's a good kind of strategy that people could use if they catch themselves doing that or I can't do that or going wait how how can I do it how could I do it um as a sort of question and it might be sometimes that the answer is I can't actually do it like I would love to have a, a not a massive house but you know what like a really nice house like if I won the lottery but at the moment I can't actually do that so I could try and like come up with some ideas like rob a bank <laughs> win the lottery but actually at the moment maybe there's steps for something but it might be that, that you've got something in your head that maybe isn't possible but yeah I absolutely love yeah. that sort of reframe of asking yourself how can I do it and that opening up to possible I love questions anyway and they're <laughs> they're very powerful it is a complete different kind of energy isn't it from that kind of statement to a question yeah Um, because your mind starts exploring you know when you ask your mind a question it likes to have an answer and when you ask that question how can i make this happen your mind starts looking for solutions and sometimes that solution could be i need help to make this happen i need a strategy i need a two-year plan but it's putting you on the right path Absolutely. So my house example is a probably I need a, st- <laughs> a sensible strategy. It's not just going to be, unfortunately, a winning lottery ticket and <laughs> getting my dream house. It's probably going to have to be a plan. Uh, so the next one is the strategy question. So I always ask people uh, that come on the podcast to share their top one to three tips with us of suggestions of things that we can put in place in our life that are going to have a massive impact. So you can share some general tips or if you want to share something specific to trauma and emotional baggage, it can be up to you. But yeah, top one to three tips. Okay, so I am a big fan of inner child healing. I think that's a good place to start. Um, I actually created a free quiz to help people identify subconscious blocks. And for anyone where trauma comes up, that's actually the free gift that I give them is a guided hypnosis for inner child healing, because I think that's a wonderful place to start because even people that grow up with, you know, good childhoods or parents that tried their best, there could be a teacher or an extended family member or someone at school somewhere or someone said something to you that might have stuck with you and you don't even know about it. So I think that's a great place to start, you know? So we say you need to think of your mind like an attic and every single day of your life, you've been collecting items that you put in there, you know, because your subconscious mind is like this giant vault that stores all of your, your memories, 
And you need to go through that and get out the ones that aren't serving you because that's where the negative behaviors and beliefs set in and those become habits and those habits start directing your choices. So inner child healing for me is a big one. Making sure that you're not doing stuff from the energy of obligation. A lot of times we want to say no, but we want to be liked or we want to be a good person. So we say, we say yes, and we do stuff that we actually don't want to do. We're constantly doing stuff that we hate. We need to stop that. And the third one I would say is being a ninja with your boundaries. No, we're too old to have frenemies in our lives. If you have people in your life that don't clap when you win, you need to get them out of your inner circle. You need a support group of people that have your back, that are there for you, that help you, that you can vent to. And I always say, when you select your inner circle, make sure that your name is safe in their mouths. Because if it's not, they shouldn't be in your inner circle. Yeah. No, I love that. that yeah, so your name is safe in that. Yeah, I've not heard that kind of phrase before. But yeah, and uh, boundaries are... Oh. We could we could talk for hours about <laughs> the importance of boundaries. Um, yeah, absolutely. And um, you know, I think it's it's interesting. It kind of shows you that um, the change through life, hopefully, because I think when you're at school, you do have people in your circle, like the frenemies, like you said. But you've got like a much smaller pool of people that you can be friends with or that you can associate with. And if you're not friends with people around you, then it's quite a lonely experience but as an adult we have a much wider pool that we can find friends and uh, and that circle from so yeah absolutely if there are people that it's that idea of you spend time with them and you're drained afterwards or you feel bad about yourself afterwards kind of thinking or, or kind of questioning that that relationship and whether it has a place yeah the thing is you know we place so much value on dna you know the blood is thicker than water and family is everything but most of my clients their their trauma comes from their family so i always tell them you know if you're willing to take a bullet for that person it's usually the person who's willing to pull the trigger and we need to draw the line and say just because we share genetic material doesn't mean that you're going to make my life a living hell yeah, I, th- I think that's really true. And yeah, there's suddenly something about that blood connection that we feel such a sense of obligation uh, in that dynamic. And I guess it comes back to that aggressive self-care and kind of thinking about yourself first. And, uh, you know, and with family, I think it's it's more difficult to break up with family <laughs> than with friends. Um, maybe not always, maybe it depends on the person, but I think there's something about that connection, but it's maybe having that that bit of space if it's like you say, uh, someone who you've got that traumatic history with or there's that kind of continuing uh, trauma possibly from that relationship. Yeah. You know, if you have someone in your family that has narcissistic tendencies or that has been psychologically or emotionally abusing you for years, they're not going to stop that. That doesn't stop by itself. That stops by you creating that space and saying, I'm not going to accept this. You know, and in the beginning, it can be difficult because you've been their doormat for years, if not decades. And now all of a sudden you're standing up for yourself. That's going to cause issues. But so what? At some point, you have to choose yourself. Yeah, 
Absolutely. And so then the the kind of final question is where people can connect with you online if if they want to take that inner child quiz that you mentioned, if they want to find your Facebook group, where can they find you online? Okay, so the Facebook group on uh, is called Heal and Transform Your Life. My website is Janine Worth with an I, not an O. dot com. On Instagram, I'm therapist underscore Janine Worth. LinkedIn, I'm therapist Janine Worth. I'm on all social media. And I'll give you the link to the quiz. Um, it's free. And from there, it will take you to the first sort of step in the direction that you need. Because I put a lot of time and effort into that, you know, taking all of, you know, my knowledge from psychology, human behavior, mindset, all of that, and creating something to give someone a really specific tailor-made answer at the end awesome and yeah we can absolutely link it in the show notes so people can can find you and they can find that easily from that and who doesn't love uh, a quiz <laughs> <laughs> so um awesome thank you so much janine for for joining us i've really enjoyed speaking with you today and i think um that yeah you've you've shared so much about really like helping us unpack trauma and kind of what it means and i'm sure that a lot of people are kind of looking at their own experience and thinking oh actually have i experienced some of that small t trauma that i've I've never kind of appreciated the significance of it. So I think that's really valuable. So thank you. Thank you for having me. And thank you for creating a platform that allows people like me to share this information and hopefully help people get onto their own healing journey. Yeah. Yeah. That is the aim. <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. So thanks again to Janine. And I I thought this was such an interesting conversation about big T trauma, little T trauma, that kind of difference and how much we can kind of diminish the the impact of what we're feeling because of how we think we should or shouldn't uh, react. And I know personally, I definitely have a lot (laughs) unresolved emotional baggage. And we mentioned therapy and uh, psychotherapy. And actually, since July, I've been in psychotherapy as as part of my training. And so I'm always really interested to to talk to therapists from different modalities to understand how they work. And um, and I guess to be trauma informed myself in my own work, even though I sort of mentioned at the beginning that Christmas is all... (laughs) You know, if you're celebrating Christmas, it's all, all over the place. But I still think that idea of boundaries and needing a space is really important. And, you know, at the moment where we're all, well, not all, again, kind of generalizing, but a lot of us are at home, maybe working from home if we're able to, and Zoom and this idea of being Zoomed out, et cetera, et cetera. I really think that reinforcing those boundaries practicing that self-care being aggressive (laughs) about protecting it um and recognizing when we when we need space is so important and I guess that recognition for ourselves your self-awareness we talked about last week with Alison we've talked about before on the podcast being able to recognize for yourself when you need that space and being able to communicate that it's something I'm still working on. I feel like I'm, I'm pretty good at protecting my space. Maybe I don't necessarily communicate it in the best way. Um, but I think it's, um, yeah, really, really important stuff to be talking about. So I really want to thank Janine for joining us and sharing uh, her wisdom with us. And I'll be back on Wednesday 
for another episode. If you follow our blog, there is a special blog post tomorrow introducing a new voice on the blog, uh, not a new voice on the podcast if you're a regular listener. So Leanne joined us several episodes ago, but she is going to be a new voice on the blog as well. So check that out tomorrow, www.psyche.co.uk, psyche, P-S-Y-K-H-E. And as always, if you have enjoyed the show, please do rate, review and share. It really means a lot to us. We will be back on Wednesday. Take care. Bye for now.